So I have on the phone with me Thomas Ikram, the director of Luck Accelerator, one of the many films premiering, North American premiere, at the Nightmares Film Festival here in Columbus, Ohio. And Thomas, let me say, I'm very excited. I've seen your film. You were kind enough to send a screener early, and I can't wait to see it on a big screen again. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, to you for the acceptance, and thanks for the invitation. I look forward to um, watching it on the big screen myself. So I will be, I'll be flying in on Friday, so I'll most definitely be there for a part of the festival and most definitely for the screening. So uh, this will be my debut at the uh, Nightmare Film Festival, which is exciting. And uh, as you say, it's the North American premiere. So um, most definitely looking forward to it. So I'm going to put a link to the trailer when we put up this interview so people can check it out because your, your film has such a unique look. Um, you shot it on Super Thanks. 8, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I've been working on Super 8 since uh, 1990, so all this live performance. And um, then for this specific project that I knew was going to take a lot of time and take me to um, a number of interesting sort of places, I wanted quite a unique look. And um, being quite familiar with Super 8, that's what I decided to do. Um, it was also very much a action-oriented movie, which meant that I didn't want to have any dialogue on it, which, of course, is the limitation of Super 8. So uh, the format was the right thing to do it. Um, also, I have a massive collection of Super 8 cameras, which meant that I could get very physical and very direct in terms of the, uh, of the, uh, the cameras and the cameras being part of the action and, inter and, and the interaction with the actors. So um, for me, that was a uh, that was the right format for this specific production. Is it hard to get your hands on Super 8 film stock anymore? I mean, I don't really know. No, not really. No, I mean, you can um, it's still being produced. So you can still get it from Kodak and different retailers. Uh, you have a number of smaller companies who are basically buying uh, 35 millimeter and then slicing and dicing it and packaging it. So um, I mean, the, the big the big problem with Super 8 is that Super 8 is unpredictable. But that's what I kind of like about it. It's a very mm -hmm. physical format, and that's also one of the things that I, uh, it's absolutely essential for me. Um, but the biggest problem with it is that it remains expensive. So the stuff that you save in terms of um, cameras and uh, production and all of that, you, you have to pay for in terms of post-production and development and scanning and processing. But, uh, I mean, Super 8 for me is, it's not something that I necessarily need in terms of what I do, but I do like to work with it because it's it's different kind of filmmaking. If you have a Super 8 camera, you can basically shoot within minutes. And if you can shoot within minutes, you can shoot different kind of scenes, you can shoot different kind of locations. You can get access to places you wouldn't get if you had a set or if you had digital cameras. Also, it has a bit of a vintage feel, so um, if you play this right, uh, you can brag your way into um, locations and... Um, venues and avenues where you wouldn't necessarily get the approval or the permission to film. And that's what we did. So uh, Accelerator is shot in Copenhagen, it's shot in London, uh, Hong Kong, uh, Shanghai, Abu Dhabi, uh, Marrakesh, uh, and New York. And a lot of this was just me and the lead uh, walking around with the cameras, improvising, getting people off the streets, getting people out of gyms, getting people out of different kind of scenes, and then shooting and improvising. Uh, on Super 8, I mean, you can shoot on natural light, you can shoot in the night in terms of neon signs. You have a massive range and flexibility of a completely different aesthetic. So it's very much like guerrilla film uh, making. Um, and that's what I wanted. And that's what this film was all about, where the focus would be on the characters and the locations 
and um, we would still get like a very, very nice aesthetic uh, around it. So if you look at the accelerator, you would look at something that from time to time looks like a 1960s French crime movie, something sure. that looks like a 1970s relentless Hong Kong martial art movie, and something completely different at the same time. It's not perfect. It's got rough edges, uh, just like Super 8, just like film. It's very analog. It's very physical. And um, yeah, I hope people will like it. Yeah, uh, the locations, I think, kind of gave it a dreamlike quality because you never saw him travel, but he was always in different cities. And, you know, you're always kind of surprised to see what city he'd be in next. That was always constant, a shifting landscape throughout the whole movie. Yeah, and that was one of the things that we set out to do, that the, to the largest extent possible, we wanted this to be a very international movie. Because, I mean, the, the idea behind all of it is that regardless of who you are and where you're from and where you're going, we all have one thing in common, and that's the fact that we are going to die. So we wanted to mix this up in terms of uh, aesthetics, of uh, locations, of times, of perception of time. And uh, I'm in Marrakesh. Um, there are scenes there that looks like from the 30s to the 40s. The city hasn't changed that much. And then you have the ultra-modern cities of Abu Dhabi or New York that looks completely, uh, completely different. So, um, and um, I mean, I, I'm London-based, um, and from London it's very cheap to travel. So that was the um, one of the things that um, that opened up. As long as you don't travel with a big crew. Um, and as long as you connect to the locals, you can get access to a number of absolutely fantastic locations and, uh, and authenticity that um, money cannot buy. Well, let's talk about your lead now, too, David Sakurai. How did you meet up with him? Now, David and I had been friends for many, many years. Uh, so we were basically hanging out in Copenhagen. At that point in time, this goes back about six years ago. Uh, we just met up and drank beer and watched um, really bad Kung Fu movies. And at that point in time, I was shooting a horror movie in Detroit, and it went really badly. So I had uh, two of the actors dying on a, during the, uh, the filming, so they had to be replaced. And the writer never completed the script. So um, exactly five years and two days ago, I met with um, David in a small cafe uh, and said, hey, uh, I really like your stuff. Um, uh, and at that point in time, he had just some basically local, no budget, um, genre movies, very stereotypically being conscious. So I said, I'm going to do something a little bit more positive. I'm, uh, I've had a bad experience right now, so I would like to make a movie about a guy who kills people. And David said, I'm in. I said, well, it's goes a little bit beyond that. It's about a guy who thinks that um, he's not only killing people, he believes that we are all the same. We all going to die, and so he's just accelerating your journey towards the same destination. And David said, I'm still in. So I kept on going and said, oh, no, it's a little bit more than that, because I really want to play with the cliches and the stereotypes of 1960s, 1970s genre movies. So you're Japanese, but you probably think you're French. And David replied, well, if I'm French, I think you should have a glass of wine. And we both did. And within minutes, both of us felt quite French. And then we started. So we shot for about two and a half years, and then I spent a year in post-production making the movie. So uh, David, as we speak, is actually in my apartment, uh, drinking my beer and um, shooting fantastic creatures to with uh, Johnny Depp. So his awesome. skyrocketed beyond that, uh, which I think is great. I think it's a very versatile and interesting character. I um, mean, he can he can play a lot of things. He's a massive fan of the of the uh, of the genre film, but at the same time, I mean, he can do different things. He's done children movies. 
in Little Foxbury, he played the ghost of a uh, gay Japanese uh, karaoke singer. So he can do different things. And he's a fantastic guy and he's a very good friend. That's actually the reason he was originally on our show. I reached out to him because I loved him in Liza the Fox Fairy. Yeah, no, it's, a great, it's a great movie, and it's, it's so different. No, it's, um, and that's, that's what I like about it, because we can, with David, you can... Um, because Accelerator was shot without a script. It was shot with an idea, so it was very much like an expensive kind of thing, where he had to create his own character with me. And um, I'm, I might have like two or three things I would throw into the mix that David were going to shoot, and then we would just improvise and freestyle from there. So, um, slightly different way of making um, making a film, uh, but I think it worked for us, and it most definitely worked for me. And let's talk about the soundtrack. I've already purchased it on iTunes. I loved it. Um, when did that come in? Did you did you have right. it while you were shooting, or did that come in after you had already shot the movie? No, that was before. So, uh, on the side, I published a movie magazine called Film Race, and I've been doing that since 1990. And um, I was uh, picking up by accident a movie called Zero, uh, directed by Jack the Sitter. And it had a fantastic soundtrack by Rock the Cabin. And uh, by accident, on the same day, I suddenly get an email from these chaps uh, who live in Bochum, uh, Germany. It's an industrial part of Germany. Not, um, not very exciting by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, they said, hey, do you want to write about the movie? And I said, I'm already writing about it. So why don't you write about the movie? And then we kept on, um, kept on talking about different things. They had a fantastic 20-year back catalog of, uh, of stuff. We shared interviews. So every time David and I would shoot a scene, I would ping over all the photos from the shoot to Robert Cabin, and they would, they would make the soundtrack. So the soundtrack actually came out two and a half years before the movie. So uh, for a very long period of time, you could read on the internet blogs that said that, well, this is a soundtrack from a movie that doesn't really exist. And I kind of liked this idea. And uh, we played around with that kind of... Um, missed for quite some time um so i think that when i was editing the movie i wasn't editing it to the soundtrack but i always had a soundtrack playing in the background i was gonna say with the flow of the movie it works so well with the soundtrack because it it sort of feels like a metronome going back and forth between the death of somebody and then like sex and then death and sex and death and sex was that was that kind of one of your intentions yeah that was most definitely the uh, the intention of it but also to have David, who was uh, quite distant from any kind of relationship, and only be able to communicate through violence. So you have a lot of nudity, but you don't really have the you have this uh, perception or anticipation of any kind of sex sex happening. But it's it never really happens. It always ends with violence, um, and right. that's also the repetitive nature of the music. So a lot of this was inspired by like 1960s French movies and. Um, we were talking about it for a long time whether we should have a sex, actually a, a sex scene in the movie. We decided against it. We thought it was more interesting to have David as a uh, quite a stereotypical, fairly insecure but ultra-violent character in the movie who could only communicate through violence. And also the fact that uh, if you look at Elvira, who plays the girlfriend, I mean, she's almost transparent, but this ghost-like virtual girlfriend, and they have really no interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, they have interaction when... David is taking her photos and vice versa. When they have a glass of wine, there's no touching, there's no intimacy around it. Um, but it's some kind of like anchor in terms of his sanity. So um, the music worked out quite quite nicely around it because the, it's very Germanic in terms of its style. So it has a coldness, but it has a rhythm and it has the repetitive nature of it. That's the same thing 
at the uh, the way I was editing the movie and the way I was constructing a number of scenes. Well, I'm a big fan, and I'll be directing people to it. Um, I'm publishing a Thank field you. guide later this week, and that's going to be my pick for the time slot. Um, and like I said, I'll put up the trailer so people can get a taste. It's such a unique look that, um, I, like I said, I just can't wait to see it again. And that's something else I read about you. You're not you're not a fan of distribution, right? No, no for the time being, absolutely nothing. So um, for the yeah. time being, it's only festivals. It's um, it's smaller places. It's private screenings. Uh, a number of art galleries have been interested in it because it's the the release is the movie itself. It's a soundtrack. Uh, we did a photo book uh, around this, which is about 450 pages, uh, and we did a number of different photo exhibitions around this as well. So um, I, I do not really know where the movie is going to land or how it will uh, happen, but it's currently for the life of its own, which both David and I are enjoying um, tremendously. And um, yeah, if someone did to pick it up, that would be absolutely fantastic. So it's released in, um, because there's no dialogue, as you know, only the silent movie cards. We got an English version, we got a Japanese version, and we got a Mandarin Chinese version. So um, screening it, and all, that was also quite interesting in terms of the language around this, is that the, uh, some of this doesn't really translate and means different things across different cultures. But I think the, the essence of it is the same. And um, everyone can relate to the um, undeniable fact that um, we're all going to die. Yeah. Sober reminder. Mm. Sorry to leave it on such a positive note. All right. Well, thanks for taking some time to talk with us, and uh, I'll come say hi when you land at the festival. Absolutely. Thank you very much indeed. I look forward to meeting you in, uh, in person. Thank you for the support, and um, it's uh, one of the most well-organized festivals that I've seen in terms of information and all of that, so uh, it looks like it's uh, hopefully going to be a good crowd and a good selection of movies. So um, yep. I'll be I'll be making my journey next uh, next Friday, and I'll see you on um, Friday evening.